You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, it has been a very eventful week since we last spoke on this podcast. We're going to get to all of the uh, the crazy happenings uh, that have surrounded the Islanders. But the one thing that's been consistent is that they are still winning. Winning streak is now at nine games. There's three against the Sabres, three against the Devils, one against the Bruins. One against the Penguins. And uh, right now, it's uh, the Islanders in first place in the NHL, and uh, people are starting to notice. All it took was all of this. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that the what's happening on the ice is so uh, so expected from us, like the fans. Like it's almost like it's the, it's a nine game winning streak is the uh, kind of footnote of what's happened in the last week uh, because there's just so much other stuff going on all over the place. But yeah, like it's, uh, God, how great is Barry Trotz? Like, like <laughs> this team just goes out, does what they're supposed to do. They say exactly what I thought there was a qu- great quote from Matt Martin. Um, I think this was in the, I think it was maybe Emily Kaplan of ESPN wrote it. Uh, she interviewed a bunch of, or a couple Islanders and Matt Martin said that, uh, you know, in years past, like they would get all worked up on the bench and slam doors and do stuff like that. And it was like a microcosm of, of how they are now. Like, like they don't do that stuff. But that was kind of more just like a, a representing of like the other stuff that they don't do either, uh, which has been, you know, that's that's who Trotz is. Like he keeps he he, he wants the noise to be kept to a minimum uh, and for everyone just to do their job. And, and it, it results in all these these great streaks. Yeah, that was a cool article I read. Again, I was, you know, 
I saw it and was like, oh boy, what is this going to do? But um, it was really cool. And yeah, Martin was, uh, was um, quoted extensively and he talked about how, you know, Barry keeps things calm and, and they used to get kind of bent out of shape about being, you know, uh, not noticed and not taken, you know, seriously. And now they just tune that stuff out. Like they just don't care. It's all about that game that night win, do what they have to do and move on to the next thing. And, uh, we're going to talk a lot about that kind of stuff uh, in the second half of this episode. But uh, it's, again, it was four games, all kind of different in their own way. I want to start with the furthest one away. In in a way, it was probably the best game, but it was also probably the, the least drama-filled. That was the uh, 2-1 shootout win over the Bruins. Um, Pasternak had a goal. Just before the end of the period, Varlamov fell down again. I don't know what's going on, um, but they but it was a very even game all that all throughout. And that game, that period in particular was basically ten minutes of Islanders and then ten minutes of Bruins. Um, Nelson tied the game. Varlamov came up huge on an awesome stick save on David Krejci. Um, The Islanders kind of took over in the third. Um, Oliver Wallstrom had a great back check, which was really kind of cool. Um, he got into it with Brad Marchand a little bit. Um, OT was not bad, but just kind of had chances, didn't go anywhere. And then finally, uh, Jordan Everly, Anthony Beauvillier scored in a shootout. Uh, and that was about it. Uh, again, I, I sound like a broken record, but like to me, these two teams put together entertaining, low-scoring games. They're two teams that kind of understand the value of defense and how you can create offense from defense. And I mean, when you've got 20-year-old guys like Oliver Wallstrom on the back check, <laughs> that's you know, it's a pretty good, pretty good indication that your team understands defense. Um, but more importantly, I mean, did you ever think that the Islanders would beat the Bruins four times in the same season? Like, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable to me. The more I think about it, it's, it's like a a little bit of like regression to the mean, just because of the way things have transpired between the two teams, but no. And, and the cool thing is like, they've done it in, especially that last game, they did it in a way that kind of showed the Bruins, like, um, you know, we, we can play this kind of game. It's just basically just as good as yours. It's taken a while. It's taken, you know, four, three years under trots to get to this point, but they can, um, they, they've, I think we both have, and a lot of Islanders fans have kind of looked at the, at the Bruins as kind of the role model of the team you want to be if you are, um, really committed to this style of hockey, uh, and to, to do it, you know, to, to be in this level, like it's amazing. It's really is. It's like, yeah, you have the perfection line, but like the first line, which obviously, has changed now, but uh, you know the Islanders were were kind of matching that style, uh, almost like tat for tat. Just it's it's been great, um, and it, you can you can kind of see like the the way that the two teams are being are being um, viewed from not just like the media, but also like the betting markets too. Like they're, they're basically on level pegging right now. Which you know, if you told me that was going to be the case uh, halfway through this in the midway point of the season, I would thought uh well what did the Bruins like lose Bergeron for the season or something like what would happen but it, it it's what what's going on with the Islanders is, is so well earned because like the way the league is looking at them right now um is is basically the way that they looked at the Bruins for so long and that's not a bad place to be yeah no for sure um yeah it's uh it, you know this is the team you know we talked a lot about wanting to get to the Bruins level. And I mean, after beating them four times, I guess it's safe to say that they kind of are. Um, but, you know, they have to play them four times now in Boston. So we'll have to see how those games go. But so far, yeah, I mean, these are both very, very evenly matched teams 
right right on down the lineup. And yeah, I mean, the Bruins have the guys you might have heard of because they're on NBC all the time. But the Islanders, you know, they've played them pretty well. I mean, there have been waves. The Bruins aren't just going to roll over, although that was that, that one blowout that they had. But, um, you know, it's it's pretty cool to see. And again, it's not something I expected to see uh, in my lifetime, at least. It's You know, there was a, an article on Islanders.com today and Stan Fischler was writing about the the Bruin the Islanders in the nineties and even then you know getting a point out of Boston was like impossible but uh, there was a game where they they did it under Mike Milbury and it was kind of like a little mini Stanley Cup um, the next game was uh, Thursday it was the five three win over the Devils it was four nothing Islanders after two periods uh, Matt Martin continued to score goals Adam Pellick had a goal um, no adoption scored although Oliver Wallstrom kind of fell on Mackenzie Blackwood and they gave it a Dobson anyway I don't know why. Um, Bailey had a nice goal after kind of whiffing on a bunch of, uh, possible scores earlier and everything was coming up. I, at that point, I thought this might be the most Barry Trotz game. The Barry Trotz Islanders have played in the Barry Trotz era. Like it was just a clinic. It was, the devils had nothing. It was, they had like zero high danger chances throughout the, the, the game. I think I had 10 shots on goal through two periods. And then the Islanders just kind of fell asleep. They gave up two goals really quickly. Um, Brock Nelson made it five, three, and that kind of put a clamp on things. Um, and, uh, that was it. Um, oh, and then Jack Hughes had a, had a goal late, uh, on Elias Sorokin too. Um, the big news coming out of that game though, was the injury to Anders Lee. His leg got kind of tied up with Travis Ajak and he went down. <clears throat> and as I said, in the, um, the column today, you know, when a six foot three, 200 something pound guy goes down like that and doesn't get up. Um, you know, it's bad and we still don't know exactly what it is, but he has been put on long-term injured reserve. It means he ain't coming back really anytime soon. It does free up some cap space. It's probably another show for another time, whether or not the Islanders can use it to, uh, to pick somebody up uh, at or before the trade deadline. But man, that just sucked. Like just watching Anders Lee go down and get hurt. And now if you remember the year he broke his leg, and he didn't play in the playoffs. He, Johnny Boychuk slap shot broke his leg. I just had flashbacks to that. And I'm just like, man, just when this guy ever, he gets rolling, something stupid like this happens. And he was having a great start to the season. Maybe the best ever 12 goals. Um, he looked fast. He looked, you know, like he was hit that line with Barzell and Everly had been one of the best lines in the league the entire season so far. And that just really sucked. And and it wasn't, that they didn't play poorly immediately after that was, a period or two later uh, in the third period, they played poorly. I don't think it had anything to do with Lee, but um, you know, on one hand, you're like, they have the next man up and they have this, the game plan to overcome this. But on the other hand, you're like, man, it's Anders Lee. And you really, you just don't want to not see him out there. Cause he's just such a rock, you know, but what are you going to do? They're going to have to learn to live without him for now for the next uh, foreseeable future. Yeah. The, I hate to say it, but like this was coming. Like you knew something bad was going to happen to this team, just because, as as it was pointed out, every game uh, the Islanders had played with the same six defensemen, and they, besides Beauvillier, kind of escaped any weird injury stuff or COVID stuff in a season where basically every other team was dealing with a lot, and uh, so you just knew something was happening, and um, or, or it was kind of like hanging over your head, and 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 when it happened, it's just like oh, God, because it was it was the most it like didn't look bad uh it's, it's not the right way to put it but like it didn't you, you, right when you saw him go down you're like this it didn't look like something where everybody knew what happened right away which is i think why you know some people are like you know 
they haven't said anything. Well, the Islanders are never going to say anything because Lou Lamarillo, he, he's, he's, he might just say that Anders Lee is, uh, you know, he's fine. He's just taking a couple of days off and might be back uh, this day or that day. But um, yeah, it's just, the, he doesn't get enough credit, which is uh, too bad because he, he's like the, the way Islander Islander fans are. Um, we, we were, we really reward, people like Anders Lee, like with, with like shower and with love and whatever. And, um, the rest of the, the rest of the league might not, but this guy, like to the rest of the league, he's, he's relatively like, you know, he's probably viewed in the same way as Kyle Paul Mary is, or a player like that. But to us, like, we know what, what this guy does and, and what he thinks about being an Islander and all that stuff. And we, we really do appreciate that stuff. And as corny as it sounds, uh, because this is a, this team is a little bit different <laughs> from the way, things are like we 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 appreciate that he he's he re-upped with a team for seven like this team were seven years uh last summer or two summers ago uh despite the fact that he just watched them lose a captain and people were saying they weren't you know still not that good so but he committed to the team that fan base always commits to players like that uh so it was heartbreaking uh to see and it just completely changes that, that the dynamic of the season for on a lot of levels one like you said that line was was clipping at a great rate. Um, people were not really paying attention because if you're not on Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid's line, like it doesn't, you don't really get talked about, about that much. Uh, but yeah, that, that first line was just, was they, they were really cooking. And uh, luckily for the last, the first two games without Lee, like they haven't really missed that much of a step, but it's going to catch up to them at some point, right? Like it's not, we're not going to kid ourselves here and say, Kiefer Bellows is just going to step in and <laughs> produce at the same rate as Anders Lee. Like he's been good so far. Sure. But like, this is, there's a lot to, to be replaced, but yeah. So it changes the dynamic on the ice. It changes the dynamic off the ice too. Cause like you said, it opens up just like a door that the Islanders didn't think was going to be opened for them uh, this season, which is all of a sudden like they're going, yeah, they're going to be a, have to be a buyer at the trade deadline. There's no excuse to sit, sit out and, and sit idle. If, if he truly is going to be out until the playoffs, because uh, there's a huge opportunity here for the Islanders. Oh yeah. Uh, I hate to I hate to even say it out loud, but like there's been times where I've been caught up in the moment and, you know, I won't try to admit this to, to my wife, but like you go for a walk with a dog and all of a sudden you start picturing the, you know, what, what, what could happen and you get lost in it. If, if you, you know, I think uh, that song by the smashing pumpkins came on my Spotify the other day. And uh, I, you know, you just get lost in it. Cause I, I always, kind of connect that song with the Islanders in, in the playoffs. Uh, and uh, then you come back from walking the dog and you're all weepy eyed, but that's, you know, <laughs> but like, so what I'm saying, the point is we've gotten to this point in the season where you're, you're being taken to a place that you didn't think was going to ever happen. And uh, you don't want that opportunity to slip and there's really no excuse to let it slip. Uh, so the Islanders have to adjust accordingly on a, dump, a bunch of different levels. It does. Uh, the only silver lining is that it does add like, kind of a fun wrinkle it's fun to it's fun to be in the mix uh like it was so much fun last trade deadline with the jg pajot thing and then the almost consummated trade for zach farisi like the islanders were a huge story on the trade deadline that stuff's fun i, I mean i would take andrews lee you know, over anybody that they're gonna acquire or might acquire in a heartbeat but you know it does cha- change a lot like you said but the the on ice stuff it's it's who better than Barry Trotz to, to, to manage that? And, and also who better than this team right now to, to manage it? 
Like when no team makes a run in the playoffs without losing, like the, the Lightning didn't have Steven Stamkos last year. Like right. the, you know, great. They teams. haven't had Nikita Kucherov this right. entire season. <laughs> if you're if you're this good, if you are want to, if if I, we we're the ones who are crying out, saying like for crying out loud, the Islanders have won nine in a row. They're in first place in the NHL. Start talking about them like you talk about the Lightning or teams that are, have worse records than them and have serious flaws. Uh, if you want that, like if they want that, they gotta you know put up in this kind of time of uh adversity and you know who who knows like it's it's it, it's it's a huge test for a team and and if they do come out on the other side like that makes them even scarier so yeah this is i mean the penguins do this every year like they always lose some it's Latang or it's crosby it's malkin and yet they're still always <laughs> in the playoffs so yeah this is that chance you're, you're right this is a huge chance um we're gonna talk about Kiefer bellows in a second but something you you just said brought up a good point i, I wonder what the the sort of out there opinion of Anders Lee is. I don't even really know. Like, you know, I just, you know, to us, he means so much. And it's not just like on the ice, but off the ice too. And I, you know, I always say this, that's a cliche, but I always say a different cliche, which is that, you know, Trotz and, and Lou get all of the the real credit. But, you know, when Trotz named Lee the captain, it was because he asked all the players and they they all to a man said, Anders was the guy that you talked to. Anders was the guy that everybody looks to for advice. Anders was the guy you always went to. And so he is just as much on the same page as the two of them. And it filters down. And I think that's probably a big reason why after the first two months of the trots era, everybody was kind of all on the same page. And then by the time they hit the playoffs and Everly and Barzelli kind of find figured out how to, you know, use their skills in his system, they were rolling. And, um, that's a huge thing. And I mean, I think that, again, after three years now, that the whole team is on the same page. I don't think they necessarily need Anders Lee to lead them there day in and day out. But he's not going anywhere. Like, he's still going to be around even if he's hurt. He just won't be on the ice. Um, but that's a huge thing. And I don't know how that, you know, how that plays out otherwise. I mean, we've heard a million times about Crosby being the captain. And, you know, there's a certain captain in Toronto that we've all had to hear about and his leadership. And he's out there buying junior teams because that's a big deal or whatever for some people. But, uh you know, this is kind of a thing. It, you know, there was a big deal when, like, you know, Dustin Brown gave up the captaincy of the Kings to Andre Kopitar. Dustin, you know, Jonathan Taves is the captain. Oh, what is he going to do? I don't know how Anders Lee is viewed out there. I wonder. That's a good I, question. I think it's it's because he, he he does get like mentioned in when you read about like Islander season previews and stuff. Like, you'll get like if, if you're reading a real deep dive, like a couple of nods. Like, you know, Anders Lee is always a potential thirty goal scorer. But like, like I think that's about it like most people don't go deeper into like what he does not he makes that line work in a in through a lot of different ways like he is really really good at just creating havoc in the corners and uh who was it like john tonelli was like a gopher or something they called him or he was you know he goes into the corner and comes out with the puck like very similar which is you know interesting because they, they do wear the same number um but <laughs> they it, I, th- I don't think people understand like the the, the nuances so and and like i'm not ex- expecting you know national writers to to understand that and and to really give gravity to what this what his loss means but it would you know it would be nice that like when anders lee is uh doing things well uh which he has been like to see his name propped up and not in the uh you know hockey day it's hockey day in the united states here's anders lee because he's from Edina, minnesota and went to notre dame like that right. stuff's great like let's talk about how good he is as a player I don't really think people understand that. Like, I think he surface level, he's a guy with like 
the chin, the blonde hair, very all-American guy. Like he is an all-American hockey player. You could have put Anders Lee on the 1980 Olympic team. Uh, and, and people would, you know, if you put his picture in that and said like, find the guy who's not, who's fake, like who's not a part of this team, nobody would be able to pick out Anders Lee. He looks like he would belong on that team, but people just don't go really deeper than that. And, and that's, well, they, uh, that's they always okay. talk about the football thing. Yes. Yeah, so you went to Notre Dame doc. You could have put and played football, you know, but <laughs> yeah, but that's where they start. Like, like they right. don't really go deeper and, and, and to, this is, goes back to what we've been a theme all season about those broadcasts is, because those broadcasts don't let the it go deeper than that. Like you know, you, you get thirty seconds to talk about Anders Lee in a broadcast. You every time they waste it on the football rather than the fact that this guy just is so good at this role. Which look, not a lot. Uh, it's also a role that a lot of hockey teams have kind of shied away from. You know, the power four, the Patrick Hornquists of the world, the Keith Kachucks, whatever. Um, and Anders Lee is a bit of a throwback in that way, and I think he kind of gets, uh, you know. People just kind of assume that he's probably not that skilled because that's who he is. He's he's supposed to be, you know, just a guy who's good from from his office. He's supposed to be Mark Parrish. Like, no, this guy is much, much better than than he's given credit for. Uh so I think it's he's underestimated, but I'm just not surprised. But as I like, I mean, can you think of any Islander fan who who has a bad thing to say about him? Absolutely not. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like to us, he's like you said, he stayed, he's the guy, the power play guy, the net front guy. We all love him. He's he's great. And it's just so accepted that, like, I think we, even us, like, we talk about him. We say, like, oh, we love Anders Lee. But because it's such an accepted fact, like, we don't, like, really dive into, like, wow, this guy really, truly is awesome. Uh, like, think about all the things he does because it's just like, yeah, that, that's what we expect out of him. So it's, like, it's a little bit on us, too, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he had taken, you know, we wanted to talk about him a couple weeks ago, but he had taken such a leap. He had a really, really strong start to the year and he looked faster and Arthur Staple just in the, unfortunately I, I I'm not blaming Art for the injury but the day of that he got hurt he posted a really great article about his off off ice training and how he wanted to get faster and he trained with these guys that didn't normally take hockey players but they all they they kind of understood what what Andrews wanted to do and it's helped him you know gain be quicker more agile he's been keeping up with Barzell a lot faster and then he goes out and get hurt gets hurt but it was a real shame but hopefully he'll, he'll be back and you know again it, it we don't know when he's going to be back and it depends on, you know, when he's going to be back, how much they can use of his uh, cap space. Cause if he's going to be out for the remainder of the season, including the playoffs and the Islanders can't go out and add about $7 million in, in um, cap space, you know, with a rental, which would not be insignificant. Let's put it that way. Um, but if they think he'll be back by the playoffs, well, then things get weird. Now there's no salary cap in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So they could figure things out, but you know, after that, they're going to be over the cap, and well, they got to figure things out. So this is another story for another time. We have still two other games to talk about. So uh, that was Thursday night on the island. Saturday in Jersey, uh, as I wrote in the column today, the, the Islanders. They, I was just, I spent sixty percent of that game pissed off that the Islanders were not beating the Devils as they should for a team that is supposed to be good, and at the point at that time was on a whatever seven game winning streak. Um, the devils are pesky. Like they don't just go away and they were up, um, uh, one, two, one for a little while there. And then the third period happens and it's Kiefer Bellows time. And he scores, uh, off a really nice Barzell feed right from the slot ties the game. And then probably about a minute or so later puts his power move on talk about Keith Kachuk puts his power move on some poor devil's defenseman scores, the Islanders went complete lockdown mode at that point. Devils had some chances with the empty net, but it ended up being 3-2 Islanders. And I don't remember a swing 
that quickly. Although we'll talk about big swing again, the next game, but before that game, I don't remember having a swing like that in a long time where I'm like, I can't believe they're going to lose to these guys. This is really a team they should beat. I guess maybe it just, you know, they played a lot of games lately, played a very high level. Maybe it's just time for this streak to end. And then in the span of a blink of an eye, and the one guy who hadn't played in a month, who was taking literally skating in place of the captain, who we just spent 10 minutes talking about how important he is, all of a sudden turns the game around and the Islanders win. And that's when you know things are going your way, when these guys just step in and do something. It's crazy. And I mean, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Now, hopefully, Kiefer can keep doing that. But for two games so far, it's looking pretty good. <laughs> and it looks like maybe his time off was was pretty well served. So I, I can't say it enough, but... Barry Trotz is such a genius, right? Like he, what what he did a couple weeks ago, he puts Kiefer Bellows in um, into the lineup, kind of after Oliver Wallstrom and, and those guys kind of rolled. He's like, all right, like we're we're rolling. Let me see if Kiefer can can do it. Bellows plays terribly, comes out of the lineup. Islanders roll again. Like th- whether you can quantify that or not, what that does is that'll change a player. Like you, you basically came in the team. Ca- capitulated with you in the lineup whether it was your fault or not there were some things that he did wrong that led to bad things but um right back in the right back in the uh, press box trots and even in the in the press um his post game was like very blunt about it like you know Kiefer, <laughs> this is in a development league as he, as he always says like he he came in we've we he, he's in every meeting he's at every practice there was basically no excuse for him not to deliver and he didn't um and so what happens is Two three weeks later, this guy comes back in the lineup, and what does he do? He he's, he knows like he knows what he's he, what he's dealing with. Like if he doesn't have a good game, guess what? He's back. He's going to be jettisoned again. Um, so it's like you you can say it so many different ways. There are just so many different things uh, that a coach does that we can't talk about. Like because we, we just can't. We're not there. We're not we're not able to figure out on a spreadsheet or a chart or even just watching an actual hockey game. Um, that, that these guys do that I think Trotz is probably better than any other coach maybe in sports like of doing uh, he, he he has a way of not only getting these people on this, these highly paid millionaires who are like you know whatever they I would have an ego if I played the, in the NHL but like you're, you're dealing with so many different personalities or whatever he gets not only does he get them all on the same page but he knows the, the buttons to push to get people to deliver expectations on their expectations but also not like turn on him like think about sam bennett like sam bennett has been wanted a trade pierre luc dubois wanted a trade like these there are players in every like market that have kind of asked out or have quote unquote become unsettled you know you didn't read any of that with Kiefer bellows you you would think you would because when a first round draft pick comes in and out of the lineup like that usually it's news but the way that the Islanders kind of handle their business, it's just like, yeah, no, that's that's just the Islanders. Like, no need to make a big deal about this first-round draft pick who so far has not delivered on his expectations coming in and out of the lineup. Um, he, it's not like he wants a trade or whatever. Like, that is basically the difference between the, this regime and most of the others in the league. Because I can tell you right now, like, if if that was a player in – like, like, think about Jesse Puljujarvi or whatever his name was. Like, mm. that guy, like, he he went back to Finland and the entire province of Alberta was just, like, watching every movie made <laughs> and his agent made. Like, this this guy, what, what's, what's going on with the Islanders is just so different because they keep everything so tight and in-house and they say all the right things. Trotz has them all on the same page. And guess what? When it's your turn again, like, you're go- if you deserve another chance, you're going to get it. 
Um, and if you deliver on it, like we'll keep rolling with you. Like the, the, the amount of kind of trust between the bench and the guys behind the bench right now, uh, like it, it, you really start to know, it's like Matt Barzell's game a little bit, right? Like you start to know, you, we've watched him so much and he's so dazzling, but you start watching him and you start to appreciate a new thing he does every kind of game or year or whatever. It's the same thing with the, the coaching staff. Like the first season, it was like, wow, these guys are playing great defense and the goaltending seems to be great. And then the next season you're like, no, wow, they, they're, they've like come together and they're playing a great 200 foot game. And now it's like everything else. Like you're seeing the whole organization kind of just like being in lockstep with, with one another. And you can, you can see it. It's wild. It's, it's, it's like, it's there. And it's like the fan, the fan base is kind of in involved in it too. Like we know what we're supposed to say at the same time too. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think that what you're talking about with bellows comes into even more play in the next game with a different guy. Uh, the Sunday game against the devils, was kind of a circus. Uh, we just, you know, Barry was talking about maybe making one or two changes in the lineup. We were all like, yeah, okay, man. We just kind of figured Sorokin would come in in place of Varlamov. And But then about a half hour before the game, all hell breaks loose. J.G. Pajot isn't even on the 23-man roster. Turns out he's on the COVID list. Noah Dobson skates, skates in warm-up. He's out there for the national anthem. Suddenly he's not on the bench. And... Oh my God, that's Sebastian Ajo's music. He's out there on the ice for the first time in three years in an Islanders jersey. Um, it was uh, Michael Dacol was scratched. Still not sure why. Uh, Leo Komarov was back in. Austin Zarnik was back in. It was a huge mess. And again, for for a team that's so buttoned down and structured, this was like, what is happening right now? We just kind of figured. I thought. I mean, and I can't believe I even thought this, but like, I was like. Is Trotz just going to like throw this game away because they've won eight in a row? And it's like, whatever, like, you know, get some other guys in the lineup, get them, get them fresh. But uh, it turned out to be a lot more. Um, Pajot is now off the COVID list, by the way. Uh, Dobson's still on it, but it's not, doesn't appear to be anything serious. So we'll have to take a look. I don't know. Um, but uh, there, uh, as far as I know, with, with Pajot, I'm pretty sure he's in DC with the rest of the team getting ready for their next game. But uh, it, it just, it, it was a weird game right from the jump. And Aho, Again, he hasn't played in three years. He steps on the ice, first shift, throws the puck towards the net. Who knocks it in but Kiefer Bellows again? So this dude comes in, <laughs> comes in. So one dude hasn't played in a month, shows up, scores three goals in two games. Another dude hasn't played in the NHL in three years and gets an assist on his first shift. And I think that goes back to what you were saying with Trotz. Like they said something like this, I think, in after the game too. Like he tells these guys, we don't know when you're next chance is going to be but when you get it you got to be ready and i think somehow that manages to stick and you know this is i think aho wasn't with this team last year right i don't think so so this no, might be his i think he was there in the bubble though i think he was like was one he of the, okay. one, one of the black aces in the bubble um but like these you know trotsky and i think again that gets back to the culture and i think that gets back to anders lee in a way too like you know they're all they're all working together all you know we hear all this time how close they are how tight-knit they are and i think that Guys like that, you know, they know that they can talk to guys like Lee or or Everly or even Trotz or Lou. Like, you know, just because you're not playing doesn't mean you're not part of the team. That's something we've heard Trotz say, too. I'm sure Thomas Hickey's hearing the same thing, too. Thomas Hickey hasn't played in a year and a half. Like, or no, two years, actually. So, like, you know, this is a guy who could be playing elsewhere, but he's still here. And, like, you know, would he want to trade someplace else? Yeah, maybe. You know, Andrew Ladd, we know, agreed to a trade that essentially fell through with the the Zach Parisi. But, you know, these guys are still here. And I think that if they're given the chance, they would play. You don't hear any any rumblings from them. Um, but uh, it was pretty wild. Now, back to the game. 
Um, the Devils tied it. Again, it was a sloppy game. The Islanders really didn't play all that well. Um, they were tied uh, going into the third. The Islanders were be- the better team in the third. Oh, Brock Nelson scored a goal to make it 2-1 Islanders uh, just before the end of the first period by just throwing the puck off the wall with one second left. I didn't know the Islanders could do things like that. Normally that happens against them. Um, but they were tied going into the third. The Islanders had their chances um, but couldn't bury it. Uh, OT starts, and it looks like P.K. Subban wins the game. But um, Jesper Bratt was offsides. He was way offsides. I didn't, I didn't know they could do this either. They called everybody back. They kept on playing, and the Islanders won in a shootout with uh, Oliver Wallstrom with the big slap shot uh, or you know wrist shot. Heavy, heavy. That's the thing, too. We talked about him being like a shooter like the Islanders haven't had in a long time. What, what Islander has a shot that that's, that's that hard? No. I can't really think of one. I think I think Vanek was the right answer. Like, but yeah. he he was just he was uh, around for his his let's just say his tenure was just so. It, I don't know. Did, did <laughs> it really happen? Did it really happen? I don't. We don't yeah. know. Like, it just but that, that he's probably the right answer. But to think about that. Think about okay, we're comparing Oliver Wallstrom to Thomas Vanek, who when the Sabers were you know the Google Doll Sabers when they were playing better days for every montage, and you got sick of hearing the Google Dolls. Uh, because of the Sabres uh, and, and they were on OLN every weekend. Like this Thomas Vanek was really good. He was scoring 50 goals, 40 goals a season. So yeah. uh, I don't, I'm not saying that he's like as complete a player as Vanek, but that's, that, that's pretty good to be compared to. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Vanek was a heck of a player for a long time until he got to the Islanders and then played for every <laughs> team in the league because he didn't want to play in Brooklyn. So let's remember that. But, um, but yeah, just the, the heaviness and the, and the, the, velocity of the shot there's not a lot of islanders that are like that i mean you know we've been complaining about barzell and and bailey to shoot more often and, and they have although bailey has his moments sometimes ryan pollock's slap shot is obviously legendary at this point but like i can't remember an islanders forward that just had that even Tavares didn't have that kind of like a a big shot that just you almost you almost feel like he could rip through the back of the net you know and, and wallstrom is 20 years old he's got a shot like that it's like it's like bam bam from the flintstones you know he's got like to compare him to another cartoon character aside from wally gator um but yeah so you know a day after this crazy turnaround where i'm just like i guess that's it for the streak hey you know what seven games not that bad all of a sudden the islanders won again <laughs> and it's now it's nine games and uh it was just an insane exhausting incredible weekend that somehow ended with the Islanders in first place in the NHL won nine games in a row and with a 90 something percent of making the playoffs, knock on wood, things can change. But like halfway through the season, this team is in first place in the NHL. Like it's crazy. (laughs) It's just insane when you think about it. Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's nuts. And it's, we say it a lot too. Like an Islander fans say it all the time. I've watched that game a gazillion times from the devil's point of view, like a gazillion times, like, wait a minute. How did the Capitals just come in here and win that game? They played like ass and (laughs) we just somehow lost to them. Like that, they they are so lucky to win this game and they got every break. They got every Mm. call. Like you just, you, 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 I know exactly how that game, I can think of like games against the Flyers where like I can, I can picture like of getting Nabaka fishing a puck out of the net. Because they Rangers. just lost the game, they should. Rangers, Rangers come to mind. Games that the Islanders yep. would outplay the Rangers and then lose. Yep. All the time. And, yeah, exactly. Like, and you're just like, you just hope. In at that time, you're just hoping. Like, man, I would just want to know what it feels like to be on the other side. And now we're here, and you got to figure out how to how to um, appreciate it. 
But I think that Islander fans more maybe more than any other fan base in sports, just because not just the lows, like every every fan base is, you know, they're long suffering fans everywhere. But it's just like the uniqueness and the cool and unusual nature of the lows that like, yeah, we're we're built to enjoy this. Like we, we know what's what we understand the gravity of what's happening. We know how lucky we had it last year and we know how lucky we had it the year before. Uh, but now we can call this sustained success. I'll be like, knock on wood, like the rest of the season goes the way it looks like it's going. And who knows, like it might not, but like, if it does like three years, I think in a, in a salary cap league, you can call that sustained success. That's something, the most sustained success I've ever known was three first round playoff losses in a, in a row. It's like, so this is like legitimate. Uh, and if it is legitimate, they deserve the credit. And I think that's, you know, kind of where we are now. It's like, People now have noticed. Let's see, like what 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 do they say? Like what? How does the rest of the hockey world kind of treat the Islanders now that okay? Like I think that everyone's has come to grips with the fact that this team has arrived to this level and it's real. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Definitely, it's something to to consider and something to not take for granted. Uh, all right. Well, I'm exhausted already rethinking about those games, let alone <laughs> having watched them. So we're going to take a break and we're going to get to uh, talk about the fact that people are now recognizing this team uh, for what it is after three years uh, on the other side of the break. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll talk a little about ESPN too, just in case. We'll see. All right. <laughs> we'll come back in a couple of minutes. Oh, I almost forgot. Um, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes uh, leave your Twitter handle in the review and you can enter for a chance to win some eBay swag. All right, come back on the other side and we're going to talk about uh, some more league stuff. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have hats, too. You'll want to check them out. VintageIceHockey.com is great. You also have little stories and histories about the teams whose whose shirts and and, uh, mugs and things are there. So check it out. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts. And our portion goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, You can also save 15% by using the code Lighthouse15. So go to VintageIceHockey.com today, use code Lighthouse15, save yourself 15%. Uh, Okay, so as we've been kind of dancing around uh, the first half of the show, um, people are finally starting to take notice. And and it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of annoying because this is the third year now that the Islanders have essentially been the same thing. 
and now all of a sudden they're starting to get recognition. Dom at the Athletic wrote a whole thing about how the Islanders have been operating, frankly, at an elite level for the better part of this entire season. People have been talking about Adam Pellick being good. It's like, yeah, okay, we kind of knew that already. Um, Dom and Dmitry Filipovich, who does a great PDO class, uh, they mentioned this week they were talking about doing an Islanders episode um, you know, and, and focusing on them. And uh, today on the 31 Thoughts podcast, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman finally turned their attention to the Islanders. And Jeff was like, you know, I've been kind of skeptical about them, but I guess, you know, they're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty good. <laughs> they, they just were in the Eastern conference finals and they're in first place right now. I guess they're pretty good, Jeff. And these are two of like the most kind of level-headed guys. I just don't know. So, you know, part of this kind of scares me a little bit because I don't know how it's going to go, but part of me is a little bit feels vindicated. Like, so we're not crazy here. We're not, we're not insane to think that this team is is really good and is is you know one of the better teams in the NHL because right now by all accounts they pretty much are. Yeah, I mean, think about it like like you said, like Jeff. I think thirty one thoughts. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if, how many people on this podcast, this listening to us, listen to that show, but you should because it's it is the best kind of level headed look at the league from from a three thousand foot view, right? Like they they do a good job of they do spend a lot more time talking about like like junior hockey in Canada than than we'd like but th- this is a Canadian podcast that's what they like like we talk about Mike Sillinger and Wade Dublowitz probably more than people would like on this podcast but that's just who we are um but what they what what ends up happening with when the Islanders are brought up is it's become such a trope like a tired shtick now that other uh people in the media have kind of made a thing like you know uh, discounting the islanders or discrediting the islanders no matter what they do that like these other kind of higher level more level-headed media members kind of think oh i want to be cool and get in on like the hockey hipster joke of let's make fun of the islanders even though they're good let's call them boring let's make fun of the fan base that and say like oh islander fans are gonna get mad at me for saying this like yeah we're gonna get mad at you for saying it because uh it's not true if the islanders were bad we would know. Like I've seen bad teams. I was thinking about Steve Steos before. Like I've seen bad Islander teams. Like I don't. You've seen horrible Islander teams. Everybody in Islander, the Islander universe, has seen the rock bottom. We know what it looks like. So we can tell you. Like if the Islanders were bad and team player people were like discounting them, you're like okay. Like the Islanders are bad. That's what. But this this is good. Like this is a good team. Uh, and uh, and not only that, it's like a team that 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 should. And I've said this before. Like. The Islanders have done things in such a different way. They've been kicked when they're down so many times that usually, like, those teams kind of galvanize, like, the rest of the sport, like, to root for them. Like, if the Ottawa Senators get good next year, people will root for them because of what, who they are, the, like, the underdog or whatever. Um, but for some reason, this the Barry Trotz's Islanders never really got that. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. But, uh, and, and, and like, it's, like, the Pelic thing is a perfect example. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nice that people are noticing because, like, I want the Islanders to people to recognize like what's going on is real. Like what we've been, we're not crazy. (laughs) We've been vindicated. Yes. But embrace it the way it should be embraced, which is not like, Oh, like out of nowhere. Like I just noticed Adam Pellick's, uh, you know, expected goals percentage is over 60%. Like, man, did you see what happened to this team last year when Adam Pellick got hurt? Like he's really good. And we've been saying this for a long time that Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock are both very, very good they are a great number one defense pairing. Um, and 
now now that you're known instead of like being like you know adam pellick's good like dig deeper like we we yeah we've established that we've established matt barzell is one of the best players in the league people know like how about talk about how jordan everly has been really good again this year like talk talk about like it show that you actually are digging into like why this team is operating the way it is and you'll see that and and i hate the i hate the like the the way they're treated too that they're they're more yes the islanders are more than a sum of their parts and that's why they're great but their parts are good like people just assume the islanders have like all these bad players like that that's like the the way that they're they're painted like that barry trotz has turned you know the the the, i don't know the the sabers into this great team no like of course, Matt Barzell is very good. Brock Nelson's one of the best number two centers in the league. Casey Sezikis is probably the best number four center in the league. J.G. Pajot is probably the most versatile number three center in the league. He might be the best number three center in the league. Like, this this, this team's good. They have a lot of talent. But people just don't treat it the way – they're not treating it like the way they should. Like, this is – talk about them the way that they deserve because a team playing this well – after putting up with what we've put up with for so long, deserves to be given the credit that they're due. And they're due a lot of it. Like make make up for make up for this cheap jokes that everyone's had to endure for the past three years when you guys should have been talking about why this team is doing what they're doing and they're frankly changing the sport. Daryl Sutter's coaching the Calgary Flames again. <laughs> what do you think that they said? We're gonna play more like the Islanders. The Dallas Stars, what did they say? We're gonna play more like the Islanders. Like this this team has changed the league. Start talking about it about them like it is. They did. The golden boy Sheldon Keefe talked about playing more like the Islanders last year, you know, and it, it's like this has been building and, and it really started last year in the bubble because I think a lot of people. So the first year, you know, it was like, oh, the, the Trotz is playing this boring style and Leonard was really, really good. And the Islanders, you know, made the playoffs when nobody thought they were going to make it. And they won this round and then they got swept. So people can be like, ah, well, they weren't that good anyway. So they're done. The next year they start out with a 17 game point streak. <laughs> And people are like, well, you know, that can kind of happen. Yeah, okay, that just happens every year. People go on 17-game point. Sure, fine, whatever. Then, like you said, Pellet gets hurt. They, they fall back down to earth. Before the COVID break, they're completely terrible. And people are like, well, see, this is exactly who we thought they were. They're just not that good. Then they get to the bubble, and no other team hit the ground running more than the Islanders did. And they just chomped through three rounds of playoffs until they – face a team for that frankly was better than them. And also Pellet got hurt again. Sezikis got hurt. And I mean, you know, had those guys been healthy, could they have beaten the lightning? Eh, maybe, but they were like a Brock Nelson overtime breakaway away from forcing a game seven, you know, like it was pretty close, but people kind of just gave them, they didn't really look at, you said underneath the surface, they were just like, ah, oh, well, that was a nice run for them. Nobody really looked at how, unbelievable that team was in the bubble and how they led in expected goals, uh, you know, and, and things like that, that you wouldn't expect from an Islanders team that doesn't have a lot of like name recognition on it, but people just kind of forgot about them. Then we come into this season or half season, whatever it is. And the same thing kind of happens. Oh, they're just playing the Sabres all the time. Okay. Well, yeah, but they got to beat them, <laughs> you know, Oh, they're just playing three games against the devils. Okay. Yeah. But they got to beat them. What about the four games against the Bruins? What about the games against the Penguins? The, the shutout over the Penguins? They just, like they have to beat these teams, and nobody wanted to give them any credit. Now all of a sudden, people are like looking at these numbers, and they're like, "Wow, the Islanders—they're—they're they're actually pretty good." Yeah, okay. Pelic and Pulik have the best expected goals for in the entire league amongst like defensive pairs, right? I mean, Lee Eberle and Barzell, like we were talking about before, one of the best lines in the in the best one of the best first lines in the entire league they were churning out you know uh 
possession at an, at an absurd rate and, and transforming it into goals very regularly. Um, you know, that, that fourth line again is back to kind of where it was. Matt Martin has had arguably the best two year stretch of his career. Yeah. In the last you two go years. back to the like, bubble and he scored like 11 goals or something like that. He's like, on, he's like on a like 18 goal pace, which for Matt Martin, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This dude is, he's like 35 years. He's like 33 years old, right? Like that doesn't happen. Even Lee is 30 years old. and He was having the best start to his career, basically. Like it just doesn't happen overnight. These guys are pretty good and they're well coached and they know what they're doing and they're, they're playing. I know this is a cliche, but like they, again, they were all on the same page. And the thing about Merrick that kind of gets me a little bit upset is that when he, so Merrick and Wyshynski was a great podcast. I used to listen to it all the time. I, I thought it was, everybody pretends to be like, the intersection of sports and pop culture, but that was actually really good at it because when one guy got too far afield, the other guy would kind of rein him back in. <laughs> so it kind of worked out really well. And I remember an episode they were talking about, I believe it was about the Blackhawks they were talking about. And then they kind of segued into the Islanders. It must've been the 2013 season when the, the Blackhawks won uh, and the Islanders made the playoffs. And they were talking about how, you know, if the Islanders ever won the cup, like the nostalgia factor for the Islanders would be huge and people would, you know, who had kind of n- normally had would ignore this team or hadn't paid any attention to it since they were little kids because they weren't very good, would all of a sudden come to enjoy them and appreciate them and would, you know, turn into one of their favorite teams. And I thought I was listening to this on the bus ride home and thinking, these guys get it. They know what they're talking about. I believe them. Once this team is really good, they're going to be the next, you know, Blackhawks and everybody's going to be walking around with the jackets and the jerseys and all that kind of stuff. Even if you're not a fan, you know, it's cool to have like a Taves jersey or a Duncan Keith or uh, Marion Hosa was always a favorite of mine, like that kind of thing. Well, here's the thing. They were dead wrong. <laughs> they were dead 100 percent wrong. And the reason I know was the 2018-19 season. I mean, that team, they lost the face of their franchise in this very public breakup, they were left for dead by basically everybody, including me. I'm not innocent in here. They were left for dead. And they not only had made the playoffs, but they had the best season that the team had had in 30-something years, their first playoff sweep in 30-something years, and did it in a way that worked and was cool. <laughs> and, you know, was, again, everybody playing the same way. And they gained in that entire, they had a, a coach of the year winner. They had a Masterton winner. They had a Vezina trophy finalist. They had a Jennings trophy winning goalie tandem. You could not have written a more storybook season than that. And you know how many fans they gained that entire time? Not a one. I promise you. <laughs> there was not one new fan of the Islanders made there that entire time. And if anything, the people that hated them now hate them even more because now they're good. And so when they show up, they're not just like, they went from being, you know, pimple on the ass of the league that should be contracted or ignored or removed or whatever, move to Quebec, move to Hamilton, move to Houston, move whatever, to now being like, now I got to watch these idiots because they're boring and good and they're going to steal two points from my team. Like, that's that's what happened. Like, there's no nostalgia tour for the Islanders. They just got good and everybody hated them even more than they hated them when they were bad. So <laughs> it's just, there's no winning here, you know? And so it's funny now that all of a sudden these guys are like, oh yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, no kidding. They're pretty good. They've been pretty good for a long time. But you you chose to make jokes about how the fans would get mad if you didn't write about them instead of actually looking at what was going on. So <laughs> now you're the guy who's figuring it out. Yeah, and th- that, that playoff series against the Penguins is a great, kind of, it brings us back to Pelic, right? Pelic and Pollock right. didn't let Sidney Crosby record a point. <laughs> <laughs> and and now people are finding out they're good. Like that was nearly two years ago. Uh, so 
if you listen to the people who you were just tapping on the head and saying like, oh, you're just another Mad Islander fan telling me that Ryan Pollock's one of the best defensemen in the league. Yeah, no, we, we were right. Uh, so that is the vindication part of it. But now make it up. Like if you want us to stop doing that, show the Islanders the respect that they deserve because hell, if the, think about this, right? In, in every season, there's a team that has a hot start. This year, I guess you can say it's the Blackhawks, the Panthers, whatever. When those teams do that, the the media fawns over them. They're, the, there's a hype train and everything. Um, and if you like, and frankly, I'm I'm really happy for the Florida Panthers. Like that's great. Like that's a fan base that is pro- is given probably less respect than the Islanders from <laughs> you know the hockey media in general. Yeah. Like they are Panthers, just a, Coyotes. Like whenever they're doing well, I I feel yeah. happy for them. You know? Yeah, you're just like good. You know, that's they're one of us. And uh, it's nice. Like it's great to see. But also. I've heard a lot about, you know, is, are the Panthers for real or not? And people saying, yeah, no, they're, they're definitely for real. They got these great players, Sasha Barkov, Chris Dreiger's been a revelation goal, like all this stuff. And I'm like, if, if it takes the Florida Panthers 21 games to get that kind of praise, like the Islanders under Barry Trotz have now played, what, 200 and something games, and they're not getting it. So uh, it's just, it blows my mind. And also, like you, like you said about the bubble, like I like how the bubble kind of was just like, it's treated like what happened in the bubble kind of stays in the bubble. It wasn't real. Like if you go back to the bubble and you, you bring those games into what the Islanders are doing right now, you're getting a sample size of 50 something games or whatever, whatever it would be. Um, That's a lot. And the Islanders have played like one of the best two or three teams in the league since then. So uh, you can do whatever you want with it. Like you can, you can keep the, the the people that aren't listening to this podcast that are going to be writing about the Islanders can, take take it down one or two roads right like they can continue down their um kind of schmarmy bad joke we've heard it all before like your your islander fans jokes were funny and probably never funny really but uh you know back in 2018 when they first started you know getting results or you can start to look into uh players like talk about andy green like that's a fun story andy he's he, he stumbled out of the gates but like andy green is doing what he's supposed to do at whatever age he is um, for the Islanders. And it's just like, it's hilarious to think about for us, but no, nobody else is talking about it. like, that's a fun story. Why isn't, why are they talking about that? Why aren't people giving, you know, JG Pajot the credit he deserves? Like people, I'm, sh- I'm sure if you put out a poll, if you had like Elliot Friedman's following and you put out a poll, did the Islanders overpay for JG Pajot? It still would be like seventy percent yes. Oh yeah, even because oh, yeah, because people have runs. They're still talking about that. Yeah, and and hey Pierre, like the the team. If you, if you have you seen what he's meant, like I would I would pay, I would do it again. I would like give the senators that package right now again on top of the one they already got. And say you know what, like we we underpaid this guy. Yeah, for this guy, like he's been amazing. We love him. So thank you. Uh, like it's just that's that's what I'm talking about. Like talk about those guys. Talk about. The fourth line, like, which is in the same way that, like, Anders Lee kind of is, like, um, I don't know, like, he's he's not made fun of, but kind of painted with the brush of being an old school, you know, does one thing well forward. The fourth line, like, the identity line, the team, the, everyone loved the fourth line in 2015, which is hilarious to think it's mm. been that long. Obviously, <laughs> like, the Martin stepped out for two years, but, like, it's, 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 like, kind of a parody of itself, like, the Islanders' fourth line, but hell, they've been really good again. Like they've been really, really good. Talk about the fourth line. Talk about the things that are actually going on rather than having to write 
a thousand words about why the Islanders, why we were skeptical of the Islanders and then have to say like, no, they're for real. Like, but we get it. Like, no, actually just do your job. Give them the time of day. Uh, Cause they're much more interesting than what they're giving, being given credit for. Two, two things that come to mind as, as you're talking. One is I, this, and this is like galaxy brain stuff for me, but it's been that kind of day and that kind of weekend, but I, the Panthers do get a lot of credit you know, when, when they have put a couple of good games together in a row and they've been good this year, like, don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but Barkov and Huberdo are the two guys that get sort of the most kind of, you know, recognition. And part of me wonders if that's some kind of like shadow campaign to get one of them to sign with some Canadian team in the off season, you know, like if, if Sasha Barkov signed with the Calgary flames one year, he would be like, you know, put on a whistle stop tour throughout Canada and be like, you know, showing off. Look at this great guy. Have you ever heard of this guy before? Yeah, we've heard of him. He's been playing the league for 10 years. He's been really good, you know, or Huberdo, like any of these guys, like if any of them signed with, with the Canadian team, they'd be like, you know, the, the number one poster boy for Tim Hortons all across the country. So I wonder if that that's part of it. But the other thing too, is that it just occurred to me, you know, talking about Islanders who probably deserve a lot more credit. Jordan Eberle is an Islander today. Because he was essentially run out of Edmonton after having a single bad playoff. The, the Oilers made the playoffs one time when he was there. What was he there? Like eight years, something like that? They made the playoffs once. He was bad. It, admittedly, he was bad for two two, two, two series. He didn't score once. He got run out of town and is now an Islander. And how many articles about Jordan Everly's career have you seen from those same uh, outlets since? Not too many. Right. I mean, I know he appears on like the radio, I think, every once in a while out in his hometown. But like this is a guy who was just cast off like that trade. You know, people in Edmonton talked about getting Ryan Strom for Everly like it was a steal. And then Strom was traded a year later for Ryan Spooner, who was then put on waivers. It's a hilarious turn of events. <laughs> I'm sure you all remember. But like that's the exact kind of thing that we're talking about. Like this guy was cast off and he's been good. And he's been riding shotgun with Barzell for the better part of this whole time. And he's been an important Islander, but you don't really hear about it. And so now, you know, people are going to notice and be like, hey, what's what's going on down there in Long Island? Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. but, you know, maybe it's good that they're noticing. But, you know, I do get a little bit afraid. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, boy, here, here we go. Because which, what- which is like hypocritical. Sure. But right. like but even like that hypocrisy needs a deep dive, which, you know, there's a reason for it. So, yeah, we, right. can, we you know, we can really, really, really get into some some like some Islander psychiatry here, but <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like I'm afraid that like, there's going to like all of a sudden Sportsnet, TSN, the athletic, they're all going to do big packages on how good the Islanders are. And then they're going to all of a sudden lose five games in a row. There's, you know, like, like oh, in, in one of those, really? in one of those YouTube, uh, that SAB three, one night NYI is that's the YouTube channel has is, is the Ryan Smith trade package. Uh, like he, he like kind of clipped together all the Canadian stuff. Uh, and in one of them, there's just a great moment where, Smith walks through like the hallway of the Islanders locker room and he's greeted by Jason Blake, Mike Sillinger and Bergy as they call him, Marc-Andre Bergeron, who he played with uh, in Edmonton. And uh, Smith, I think he like kind of apologizes that he's being followed by a camera crew and Sillinger's just like, no man, this is great. We haven't had the media in here and like kind of looks around. He's like, I don't think ever. <laughs> and, and, and that's probably what's going to end up happening. It's like these, yeah, these people will come down and they'll, they'll do their, uh, you know, things about the Islanders and, you know, you just hope that they 
do them right because that's mm. all we've been asking for. Like right. what, what we've yeah. been asking for isn't outrageous. Like we just want to be covered like any other team that yeah. goes on this three year run would be, it's not, it's a three year run. Like this is a three year run now. So treat us like you would treat those teams, please. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. You just said, it. <laughs> that's all we want. Just to be treated like everybody else. Um, real quick uh, on the other big story. That's not specifically Islanders related from last week, but um, the NHL has signed a new pact uh, with ESPN for part of their broadcast package. It's a seven-year deal. It's going to be games on ABC, ESPN, I guess ESPN2 or whatever, and ESPN+, Plus, which is the big thing, the streaming thing. Um, people a lot smarter than us have been over this now for the better part of a week, although we, we uh, you know, it came out like right after we recorded our last podcast. Um, and, you know, we're, we're both... You know, we we both grew up during that era and remember the NHL on ESPN. I remember NHL Tonight very vividly. It was appointment television for me because it was the only time anybody ever talked about the uh, hockey. And you get some Islanders clips on that. It was a cool half hour show with some cool 90s graphics. Um, you know, people keep telling me how good, big a deal this is. The streaming in particular is going to be a big deal. It means a lot of money to the NHL. That's great. I do worry, though, that the NHL is going to go be going to go from being a big fish in a medium sized pond on NBCSN to being a tiny fish in an enormous ocean on ESPN. And uh, I just don't see how they're going to get really that much FaceTime when the Cowboys and Lakers and Yankees and, you know, other teams all still exist at the same time. Cause I mean, don't forget when, when ESPN, when the NHL left ESPN, they just stopped covering hockey altogether. And the funny thing is I mentioned this to you when you think about it, the Islanders' entire John Tavares era was completely ignored by ESPN. His drafting, his play, two MVP candidate seasons, his playoff appearances, playoff goals, his leaving, and then you know playing against them as a villain, all completely ignored by ESPN. So think about that for a second, uh, and you know wonder where this this league is going to fit in. If it's good, great, and we could all watch it. It can't be any worse than seeing Pierre Maguire on ESPN or on, on NBCSN a couple of times a week. So as long as Pierre's not there, I'll be happy. But uh, I am, I am curious as to how much, how much like actual FaceTime the NHL is going to get once it finally hits ESPN next season. This, this is probably asking too much, but like, I was kind of hoping that they would say that like, Hey, we kind of screwed up the last time. <laughs> so hopefully, but it's, but the thing that's killing me is that it's a bit of a nostalgia tour for, for, since they signed it. Like everyone's like, play the theme song oh steve levy barry melrose was like no like the reason it didn't work was because our sport was treated like it was like monster truck racing or something <laughs> that was being showed at like 2 a.m on espn2 when it was like a real sports league with real people rooting and paying money to watch it um and then my fears were kind of confirmed the next day when people were retweeting a really not funny f- clip of Stephen a smith talking about the five things he knows about hockey so <laughs> damian like, woody is an islanders fan <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it, it if, if it's just treat it's the same thing like just treat the sport the way that we like fans want it to be treated and it'll be fine and and i'm i don't have any uh like false you know delusions of grandeur about the like the what how the network's going to treat that you because you nailed it right if they if the espn's going to have to choose between uh cutting away from a islanders sabers game because dak prescott's about to give a press really a press conference on like how his turf toe is they're going to go to the they're going to go to that because that's 
what that's what ESPN does. Like it's even if it's in friggin' May, like it's just not going to matter. It could be game I mean, seven. If if LeBron opens another school somewhere in Ohio, I guarantee it'll be on <laughs> on ESPN more than any Islanders game ever will be. Period. And he deserves it. Like LeBron's guy. I'm not saying that to to slam LeBron. I love LeBron, but like they have priorities. If Tim Tebow comes out of retirement to go to <laughs> training camp with uh, the Jaguars, they're going to cover it. Like that's just kind of how it is. And, mm-hmm. and, you know? and 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 that and the fact that they keep focusing on the streaming makes me nervous about that. Like, no, no, we we got you. Like we're going to cover you, but everything's going to be OTT. Everything's going to be you know sh- digital streaming. Don't 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 think for a minute that you're going to be on ESPN, you know, proper. Yes. I know that the deal calls for it, but you get yeah, the gist. Like um, it's just, it's not, I don't think, I think people just like, because it's just news, like people just have to react to the news and have to get their two cents in on the news and have to write their think pieces on, on whatever the news is for that second. Cause that's the hellscape we live in at the moment. But like, it's like, it's not, it, I don't think as a fan, like I'm in wait and see mode and, and, as as far as the product, like the the on air product, like you said, we we've been dealing with the same NBC broadcast now for well, however many years, 10, 15 years, years. Been, yeah, twenty years. It's been the same thing. They've never really improved it, um, so they deserve to to kind of lose it. And ESPN, hopefully, they can uh, you know spice it up and make it more engaging and you know make it more interesting to watch a Penguins Flyers game for the eighth time this season. But um, so to that end, I'm excited. But I'll uh, I'll like kind of pass on making a call before uh until i see like what hockey night you know nhl tonight looks like if because you just hope that they they do you know give the nhl the you know the proper proper respect right because um, that was always my thing with with nbcsn is like they just it was just such a wasted opportunity you know like they could have just done so much more and i mean i guess that's that's what you know ideally that's what nhl network is for but I have never owned NHL Network, so to me that's that's irrelevant. But even beyond that, it doesn't look like NHL Network does all that much for the NHL either. They have like their you know post game wrap up shows. They have the interviews and stuff which you can see online. But I mean, it's not like NHL Network is this sort of like destination network for people that love hockey. I've never felt all that compelled to get it. Although I you know try and watch some of it, maybe at like trade deadline or something like that. But um, that's about it. So, yeah, so we'll see. Um, you know, people were excited, which I guess is, is you know, what the, the plan was. And, you know, there's another half of that package, too. So probably ends up getting stay staying on NBC, I would guess, um, probably mainly for the outdoor games. Because, again, ESPN's booked on January 1st. You know, they got bowl games out the wazoo. They don't have room for, you know, whatever Flyers and Bruins at Fenway Park or, you know, whatever veteran, not veterans day, wherever, you know, some other place they can have those two teams play. So um, I would think that it could be NBC, but maybe it's not, you never know. It could be someplace else. Um, We'll see if there's another player, but anyway, we just had to, had to say it. Like you said, you know, we have, it brings up a lot of feelings. uh, (laughs) It it does, especially like the, we, we've been talking about this, the NBC SN thing for basically this whole time, just because of, you know, it's just, we get sick of it. it. It was like a breaking point, I guess is the best way to put it. And um, so it is important. And, and like, if you look at it from an Islanders lens, I don't think this is going to change the way the Islanders are. It's not going to change our lives as Islander fans. I don't think as much as any, any, as like other teams. So uh, it's like, that's why I'm not thinking about it way too much, except for the fact that they are stepping out on NBCSN. And maybe if they do keep the other half of the broadcast, it's like, maybe we should have, you know, 
tried a little harder than having uh, Keith Jones tell the, the the story about how he ate pizza during the four overtime, five overtime game in the playoffs back then for the thousandth time. Good or or the, the short bald man shouting about everybody's hometowns and junior teams. <laughs> the the, one, the one man, the one man who knows who, around the league who knows who Anders Lee is. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. All right, fine. All right, you win this round, Pierre. I'll give you that. All right, we're we're gonna end on that note. I like that. Um, uh, this is this has been a long one, but again, there was, there was lots to cover. We could have gone for three hours tonight, but uh, we'll wrap this up. And uh, Tuesday night uh, in DC, Islanders Capitals, Caps playing right now against the Sabers, and uh, surprise, they're winning <laughs> because it's Buffalo. So uh, would expect the Caps uh, to uh, be in, in pretty good shape uh, going into that game. But it's a, it's a battle for first place tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Islanders lose, they'll be in second. And, and if they win, they'll push the Caps right back to, to where they were. So and, it's and a big one. Real quick, real quick, like a cool thing about that is like Barry Trotz, and I don't, I don't think there's any love lost between Barry Trotz and Peter Laviolette. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that like, you know, they've, they've kind of, they have like their coaching Venn diagram. And obviously Laviolette was an Islanders head coach too. So like it's, it, it could be a fun little thing. So just, mm. just one thing that uh, might not be picked up on by the people while they're discovering the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole history there. Go, go figure. Who, who knew? <laughs> uh, but it's all right there. At your fingertips. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, so yeah. So that's uh Tuesday at seven. Uh, should be a good one. And uh, JG Pajot seems like he'll be back, which is even better news for the Islanders. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Leave us a review on iTunes. Put your Twitter handle in there. Maybe you can win some eBay swag. Uh, what is your Twitter handle again? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski with two E's. Uh, he is the master of the eBay swag, so uh, if you're very nice to him, and if you uh, leave a nice leave us a nice review, maybe you'll get some cool stuff. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing, and uh, we thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you again uh, next week. Uh, they only have three games this week, so it's like a little mini vacation. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully the Islanders can uh, can uh, use the time off and uh, and heal up and get ready because uh, the, the competition is about to get a lot stiffer than the Devils and Sabres. So we'll see how things work out and see if they can keep this winning streak going. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.